Hey, I'm Mia Sikama, my pronouns are she, her, and welcome to one of Central Michigan Life's newest podcast, Diverse Voices. On Diverse Voices, I'll be bringing you a different sound and new voices and stories each week. Our goal is to make sure students hear themselves in the news and in our broadcasts. And if you've got a story to tell, send us an email, DM us, or text us to share your voice. As spooky season comes to an end and Halloween is only a week away, I thought today would be a good opportunity to talk about something that some still seem to not understand. The difference between cultural appropriation and appreciation, specifically a spooky edition. Today with us is Guadalupe Arrocho La Menza. Guadalupe, tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Guadalupe and I use he, him pronouns. Um, I am from Michigan, born and raised here. Uh, but I do identify as Mexican-American. Uh, I also want to acknowledge that I have a lot of privilege being uh, a Mexican-American that was born and raised here, English being my first language. So I don't have all the same experiences as other Latinx individuals. Um, and my major is music education, minor in instrumental studies. Um, and as far as being involved in CMU, I am an inclusion assistant employed here at Cobb Hall. And I, my job is to be knowledgeable about social issues um, and speak up about them and educate myself as well as others. Uh, so again, thank you for uh, inviting me to talk to you about these things. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited. Let's get going, shall we? So let's dive in here. Just as a refresher for some listeners who aren't sure, we'll be talking about what cultural appropriation means. Even though it's existed for a really long time, many consider it kind of new, especially in the mainstream media. Do you have anything to say about that? Um, yeah, so I think an important part is like give people the idea of and like in case they don't know what cultural appropriation is. And I have a definition from Oxford languages, but also want to build off of it and, and also use some simpler terms because I know that dictionary definitions can be very wordy. But as far as Oxford languages says, cultural appropriation is the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of the custom, practices, ideas, etc., of one people or society by members of another and typically more dominant uh, people of society. Um, so in simpler words, I guess, it really is just like, especially people that are part of a major majority group, pick and choose things that they see from a culture and like, I like the way that looks, so I think that's cool. And then steal it from that culture without understanding anything behind why it exists, why, it, why it's part of the culture, not diving into, is there a purpose behind them doing this or dressing like this or this type of art or this type of music? Um, and that's, that's what cultural appropriation is. And I also think that here in the Oxford definition, they have an example in quotes saying the dreadlocks were widely criticized. His dreadlocks were, were widely criticized as another example of cultural appropriation, which I think is a great example because that's another thing that a lot of people, especially with hair, they're like, oh, it's just hair. But you don't, that's because you don't educate yourself about the history behind why a lot of black and African individuals wear their hair in specific ways. Like corn rolls uh, specifically were made because it was good to protect their hair, but also when people were enslaved, it was used to make maps for them to escape as well as for their children to hold seeds in their hair and uh, be able to eat while they were on their journey to have freedom. There's a whole history behind it. And the fact that people say it's just hair is not okay. Again, that is a great example of cultural appropriation. 
Um, and as far as like with it being in, in uh, mainstream, it, you see it everywhere, especially within the fashion industry. Um, it's, you see people going, doing these runways and usually it's the Western standardized idea of beauty of white, very thin, pale individuals with blonde hair, usually blue eyes. Um, and then they wear these things from other cultures or inspired by other cultures, but yet you don't wanna see any of those actual people wearing it on the runway. That, that's very um, upsetting to see that, oh, you can, you can like the things that we do, but you can't like us right. ourselves. You can't like it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then like, again, with the repercussions a lot of people of color and other cultures get, for doing these things. Like there are stories of uh, black and African individuals uh, that have like dreadlocks or something and their school literally made them cut them cut it off because it was controversial. But then the, the white students that, oh, I like that hairstyle, so I'm gonna do it. Right. Don't mm -hmm. always get that same kind of repercussion from, from the system, from school systems, from overall systemic racism. Um, and that that's, the issue of what cultural appropriation is. I think something I end up seeing a lot, especially with, I mean, you know, unfortunately, I think that especially when it comes to hair and African styles of hair, or even just indigenous styles of hair, it's becoming more popular. I mean, blackfishing is seen all the time in mm. Instagram and TikTok. But I mean, I, something I think I hate when I see, and I see it all the time, and it pisses me off so much is when something is fashionable, like you said, it's fashionable, it's trendy, but when they wear their own hair, their own way, it's theirs. It's their, you know, it has to do with their culture. It's about their history. Then it's trashy or it's informal, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, and that's just like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. It's yeah. It's just so upsetting. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. So if that's how we identify and different ways that we can figure out what cultural appropriation is, what's a good example, something better maybe of cultural appreciation? How do we help people distinguish between the two? Um, I think, again, a good way to do this is give a definition first and then build off of it. So mm -hmm. what I have from Healthline, uh, they say appreciating another culture involves an interest in learning about the culture. You share your knowledge only with permission and always credit people who belong to that culture. Cultural appreciation also involves fair compensation. If you do purchase art, clothing, or other items, you buy directly from the creators. I think that last part is very important. Um, so to break it down, it really is I think a lot of people have the intent to appreciate the culture, but the ignorance is still there of, but I'm, I'm not putting in the effort to actually appreciate it. So appreciating a culture would be um, like, say it is again, the hair topic. You say, oh, I, I really like the way that your hair is and, and learning about it. You do your own research. You don't make those people educate you. They are not because right, it's not their job. It's not their exactly. job. Exactly. Um, you yourself needs to put that effort to learn about that culture and learn the history behind why these things exist. Like again, the hair. 
if you look into it, you can very easily find the information that I mentioned before about like cornrows being a way to show maps for, for people that were enslaved to escape or hold seeds so they had food while they were escaping. Um, it's very easy to find that information, especially now that we have such easy access to internet here in the US. Um, and uh, further within that definition of crediting people and acknowledging that the people that created the thing that you're wanting to appreciate. And the permission part is huge too. Um, like I follow a lot of uh, diverse individuals on social media. And one that I specifically uh, follow a lot is uh, a Hawaiian indigenous individual. Her Instagram is Melemai Kalani Makalapua. Um, I hope I said that correctly. But uh, she has always been very outspoken about being Hawaiian and um, wanting to show people they get culture appropriated too. And the, the grass skirts and the coconut bras and stuff is, is yes. an accurate way of showing yes. their culture. And as well as hula dancing, they, that is sacred to them. And when people just think it's a fun thing, mm -hmm. it's not okay. You're supposed to go to a, a person that is certified for teaching you how to right. hula dance and other uh, cultural dancing you have to get that information from the source. Mm -hmm. You can't just- Otherwise it's not, it's not theirs. It, yeah, it's it's yeah. not authentic either. No. Um, and you you just pick and choose these parts are like, oh, that, one, that one's cool, but I'm not gonna learn what that means. A lot of their movements are, are telling stories, history, things that they believed in, whether it be religious or just morals and other things like that. Um, it's very important that you learn it from the people of that culture. Uh, and then again, how I said that the last part of that definition of uh, involves fair compensation, purchasing from the culture. It's the fact that here in the US especially, things are so mass production and it's usually by um, privileged individuals that own big companies, which tend to be white individuals that don't know too much about other cultures, but they mass produce these things because they're like, oh, people are so in love mm -hmm. with that thing from that culture, so I'm gonna make my money off of mm -hmm. it. But then there's people, like something I think about uh, is like the, and I might be getting a little ahead because I know it's on the topic to talk about, is Dia de los Muertos, um, the sugar skulls and the, and the dresses and uh, traditional wear that is used during that time. Uh, people love, that and it's great that you find it beautiful but then you buy it from someone that doesn't actually understand it while there's a bunch of actually latinx right. and Me mexican individuals that make these authentic things and aren't getting mass production privileges and the kind of money that these big companies get that mm -hmm. just profit off their culture when these people are actually part of the culture mm -hmm. um so that's another part again about appreciating a culture is obviously educate yourself about it, look into it, find out what's the history behind it, what's the purpose of these things existing. Um, and then if you want to continue appreciating it further and own a piece of it yourself, buy it from the culture, buy it from someone part of that culture. It's important because that's authentic again. It's not like it's again, 
somebody made it because they're like, oh, this is what it looks like. And I, and I, and it right. looks cool. And I, I want think, it to be a fad. Yeah. Right. I think I know which Instagram influencer you're talking about too. I don't follow her, but I do see mm-hmm. her on my for you page all the time. And I love her like historical videos. Like I had no idea, you know, as a person in my position, as a white woman, I have to recognize like the privilege of so many people who just go and live in Hawaii mm-hmm. and ruin like their economy and culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they inflate tourism so much that it's hard for native Hawaiian people to breathe. And I had no idea until I saw videos like that. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that you talked about the adults more at those beforehand, because on my research actually for this episode, I saw um candy skull the little candies that you get in place on your altars i saw them at party city (laughs) yeah it was exactly the same i was like i mean as a native speaker or as a non-native speaker of spanish i would like i don't consider myself to know because i also learned from a white woman in an education Mm -hmm. system so i don't understand what that means to that group of people but i know that that is not what that that there should not be candy skulls in in a party city (laughs) I know that and I you know it just made me think like this is why I need to talk about this in an episode like this because it's so important that we make sure people know this I mean I remember when I was little and I would go to you know I would go look for a costume in the grocery store and there would be um you know what people thought indigenous people looked like or even kimonos and even Mm -hmm. sometimes like different like flamenco dresses and it would be like oh that that gives me a weird feeling and now like as an adult like being educated and being able to talk to people like you like I know like whoa why why did we ever why did we ever go that way you know yeah it's just yeah so crazy yeah have you ever had like an experience like that where somebody made you uncomfortable or assumed something of you um I mean, yeah, definitely, because I, uh, being a brown individual born and raised in a dominantly white conservative town of Michigan, I've dealt with it a lot. I've had stereotypes brought upon me, even from my peers, even from educators that were supposed to like, supposed to like make me feel safe and seen. Like I have been accused of cheating off of white students in first grade. And I, from there and on, I had learned from a really young age, I was like, oh, I have to work harder than my white peers to sit so that I can't be accused of cheating because I'm going to be above them. Um, and then also things like the two-sided um, isolation of being a Mexican-American mm-hmm. is I was never American enough for the Americans, but I was never. also never Mexican enough for the Mexicans. Being someone born and raised here, I didn't get to learn Spanish like that. So I had a lot of like family members and other Latinos that the very few Latinx individuals that were in my area growing up were also just like, do you think you're better than us because you don't speak Spanish or all this other stuff or like other things like that. And then like the US is built on systemic racism. So there's just, it's just, you just know that that's there. And then all these other things that I dealt with not being American enough for the Americans. Um, or just even instances of me being the token uh, Mexican, the token brown person. So um, I have definitely had those instances of feeling like people like assume things about me or or having the mixture of being Mexican-American. They think, oh, you're special because of that or mm-hmm. you're 
still othered in that way. Yeah. Um, multiple things definitely that uh, I think most people of color have probably felt within the US, uh, things just to make you uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah, and I'm so sorry that you've ever had to deal with that. That is, you know, I honestly, when I think about when it comes to diversity teaching, I'm surprised that I don't hear stuff like that more. I think we, as an education system, underestimate or don't, you know, expect to teach our children how hard it is just to be a person of color in America, even though we're built on the idea of immigrants, you know, we have such an idea that the outgroup is so terrible and it's so bad when it's really that there is no outgroup. Yeah. You know, it's not supposed to be that way. I'm I'm so sorry that you've had to deal with that with in your life. And thank you for answering the question. I know that that's really difficult to talk about. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. On a happier note, because that's very serious. <laughs> I don't want to get us in a Debbie Downer situation. I think for the end of our topic today, we're going to be playing a game I like to call Halloween costume or culturally insensitive. For some background, around 2016, the meme pop culture movement of my culture is not your costume became pretty popular. It was even featured in Teen Vogue. Again, this isn't anything new, but it was probably, but it was to pop culture. It was to a lot of young kids. I think that's when I probably, unfortunately, as a kid was starting to realize, wow, it is not okay that my neighbor put on a turban for Halloween, you know, (laughs) unfortunately. And despite this pivot towards costuming consciously, many problems still exist. Over the past week, I've been finding some very disturbing costumes on sites like Amazon. This first one today is Women's Day of the Dead Darling costume from Walmart. Also $70. That's yeah, seems- $70 too. The, the prices on some of these are like horrendous. And I'm like, these are terribly offensive costumes. Why would you, why would yeah. you price them so high? Like there's some, yeah. you know, some amazing commodity, mm-hmm. but yes, this is our first Halloween costume or culturally insensitive. Um, I definitely would say culturally insensitive. I, uh, again, like how you were saying that the Esselus Muntos is for like remembering those that had passed and they believe that like this is a time for their loved ones that have passed to come back and like see them from the afterlife and all these other things. And you can definitely tell that they're trying to make it some form of sexy, um, sexualized. And it's like- Well, she's darling. She's darling. (laughs) Yeah, and so like, it's, um, what is that word? And I, I feel like, I think it's called like necrophilia where like people have like a fetish towards like dead people. Oh that's just, <laughs> that's just what I get from this vibe. Um, and oh. like, obviously again, you can appreciate a culture. You can find the things that they wear and the things that they put up on like our friend does and other things beautiful, but it's the idea of, Oh, I'm going to, take what I like from it, not know the meaning behind it, and then dress up as a sexual version of it is is what's messed up about it. On a scale of one to three, (laughs) how offensive are we thinking today? How culturally appreciative versus appropriative today? Um, How are we feeling? Is is one being... I think one is the easiest, the, the, you know, it's maybe appreciation, and then three is like, well... 
Um, I would say probably a two because I feel like for the most part, it's like they're not overly sexualized, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, But it's still very much like, um, there's not something right about this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right. Number two, it's just going to get worse as we go on. I, I have to warn you and listeners. For listeners who are not watching on YouTube today, the next we have is a supposedly indigenous costume. This is actually called the Chilled Eskimo. It is a two-piece priced at $22. It's from Walmart. Weirdly enough, they also included a lot of educational things. When you looked up the word Native American on their site, they had books, they had posters. They even on their specifically online thing had a, you know, glass case of what is considered an Inuit official costume, which looked semi real, but I've never seen that in a Walmart store before. So I don't know why they would have that online, but yes, this is our chilled Eskimo. (laughs) Oh, so, what are we thinking, Guadalupe? Halloween costume or culturally insensitive? I'm gonna go a full three on this one. Culturally yep. insensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the fact that they use the word Eskimo. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is considered like very uh, insulting yes. to uh, refer to indigenous individuals as that. Um, but uh, as well as the way that they have it sexualized again, um, and the fact that indigenous and native individuals um, are looked over a lot when it comes to their needs, and something specific is like missing indigenous women and two-spirit um, individuals is an issue. If you don't know about it, highly recommend, look it up, educate yourself, because they just go missing and nobody does anything about it. And it's the it's the fear that it has anything to do with the over-sexualization of them being like exotic and all this stuff, the fetishization that a lot of, uh, of the white American individuals right. can have of exotic uh, women. Uh, it's, uh, I think that's a whole nother level of like, culturally insensitive uh, to make that into a costume. Yes, I mean, these are all, you know, while researching this topic, not only did I feel very gross, but I could not find a single costume that was not for a female identifying person. And most of them, almost all of them were specifically adult, sexy costumes. I don't think that's sexy at all. I don't know how you're just warm in that. Yeah. But yeah, as you're saying, I mean, maybe that's another episode that you can come back for. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah. All right. This next one <laughs> is from Amazon. It is called the Geisha Kimono with hair sticks. I think that's the worst part. <laughs> um, priced at $50, which for listeners who are not watching online, there's not a lot of fabric for it to be $50. It is a robe that is cut very short, almost into a cocktail dress. Yeah, I think for me, this is definitely insensitive. Oh yeah, uh, I would also go a full on three of insensitive here because uh, you've mentioned earlier about like the stop Asian hate. And luckily that has been getting more uh, push behind it and 
being um, talked about more. Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that Asian women are completely sexualized here in the US um, and they are seen as objects. And it's things like this that normalize the idea of let's sexualize them because what they wear is 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 sexy. sexy. Um, and uh, when people that are not part of Asian culture wear these things, it makes uh, other people look at it and be like, whoa, is that really what Asians wear? Is that really how they right. look? And then all this stuff. And then that's what causes them to sexualize it. And um, it's, uh, again, the cultural appropriation of you take what you like about it and then you cut it shorter to make it sexualized. Mm -hmm. And you don't respect the fact that there's meaning behind kimonos and in, in certain settings right. and I'm pretty sure there's different types of kimonos made for different yep. like, ceremony type things and different uh, uh, mm. events and stuff that they put on. It's like there's meaning behind it and they're uh, specifically for like Asian um, uh, representation. Like I learn a lot from again another Instagram uh, influencer that I follow and they're uh, Salfer's breakfast. It's C A L C I F E R S B R E A K F A S T, um, and they talk a lot about um, the cultural appropriation of Asian individuals, specifically now in in media and everything. Like especially with like the e girl and like gamer girl stuff that goes on right now. Yes, Asian I don't think people yeah. people don't understand how much how many of those people are are Asian fishing mm -hmm. and specifically making themselves putting makeup on to make their eyes look more slanted and then also um, dressing in sexualized version of Asian traditional clothing and then people get mad when they get called out about it like oh you're just yeah. making it a race thing type like and they'll say like it's cosplay or whatever but they uh, posted the the Instagram uh, page that I just mentioned posted something being like you cosplay a character, not a race. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yes, I would definitely give this picture a three for cultural insensitivity. Yeah. Yes. But yes. And that brings us to, we've only got two more today and then we'll be heading out. This one, also from Amazon, called, yeah, I know. Guadalupe is laughing for anybody who can't pick up the audio on their headphones. Yeah. He's giggling. This is called Women's Cherokee Princess. It is a very short cut feathered dress. It's 90 or $69.98, almost $70 for one dress and a culturally appropriated war bonnet. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot to take in. I included this one specifically because it features the war bonnet. That term is used for a headdress that's being misrepresented Mis in misrepresented in this picture. War bonnets are considered sacred and the feathers are earned and they're definitely not worn for costume parties in indigenous cultures. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would give this a three. Yeah, definitely same. culturally insensitive. Pr yeah. Probably cultural appropriation at this point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I think it's cultural appropriation. And, and again, like uh, you had put the meaning behind the headdress uh being a war bonnet and it's the fact that like being a war bonnet meaning people most likely died 
within yep, yep. Um, the purpose behind the meaning of these uh, headdresses, but yet you wear it as, oh, it looks pretty, but I don't care about the genocide that happened to indigenous mm -hmm. native individuals before um, or the culture behind any of it. It's disgusting that you think, oh, let me wear this because it looks really pretty, but I don't care that Right. thousands of people died right and there's there's some form of representing them when these headdresses are worn yeah this is another three for me a big three yeah same i there's no way to to not say that this is a three because it's uh, again the sexualization sexualization of it as well too it, again the whole missing indigenous women and two-spirit individuals is a huge issue right now. And the fact that, again, they, they downplay it with the sexualization yep. of their culture. Mm -hmm. And for $70, for $70, for a definitely poorly made costume and yeah. Yeah. This is our last one for the day. Um, yeah. It is a, yeah, yep. It is a woman what wearing what seems to be a dress that is made into the sim, something similar to a Mexican flag. It's also pretty sexy, I guess you could say, some may say. And she's wearing a miniature sombrero. This is another one from Amazon called um, another one from Amazon called Spicy Senorita. Typing spicy into my search bar, actually, it was the first thing that popped up. Wasn't even looking for this costume. I was actually going to be done at um, Native American appropriation, but typing spicy, this was the first thing that popped up. And wow, am I disappointed. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow was my comment as well. Um, and being repetitive, the the sexualization, even just in the name of spicy senorita costume. Spicy senorita. Again, the sexualization of people of color, of mm -hmm. uh, again, people say exotic women. Like it's it's disgusting. It's a whole other issue for the fact of like misogyny and sexism and and also uh, uh, rape culture and other things like that, sexual assault, because people sexualize women so much. And the idea of, again, tying in the racism to it of, okay, we're going to even further dehumanize these women that are also of color. Mm. Um, and I also gotta say the, like the dress is obviously supposed to have the colors of like the Mexican flag, but I always find it funny that it's like, it looks more like, isn't it the like Italian flag? It really does. It? <laughs> and, and, it really and, does. Yeah, but um, it's, it's definitely not as sexualized. There's more fabric to it than some of the other costumes that were shown. But uh, it's the idea of, oh, this is just supposed to be a fun little thing, but I don't understand any of the culture at all. So, nope. so it's not my problem what, what issues this causes for the, the uh, community mm -hmm. uh, of those people. Thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's very upsetting. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a three. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give it to three. I think we're we're right on the it's not as sexy. They're they're trying to give you more, you know, they want the whole flag represented, but it's not enough. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Diversity and inclusion is so it's such a broad spectrum in general. 
And there's so many people out there today that try so hard to make sure that their voices are heard, that their cultures are being understood and appreciated. I mean, we mentioned two or three different Instagram influencers that are all about cultural appreciation in the past, you know, 20, 30 minutes. You know, it's go, go out there, go find it. Exactly. Uh, that's something I wanted to mention is be like, if you don't know where to start, find people of other cultures that are diverse and listen to them through Mm -hmm. social media, listen to your friends that are of different ethnicities or cultures than you make sure that you are actually listening. And, and again, putting that effort to learn more outside of your little bubble of this is what I know and this is how I live kind of thing. Um, just be open-minded. And, and again, internet is so easy to have for us right now. And that makes things so much easier to just get access to and learn about. So go ahead and use it to your advantage. Right, exactly. Well, I think we're gonna end there today. Thank you. You have it, folks. We've run out of time for the day, but please contact us about any to talk about any more issues. Have a safe and conscious spooky season. Guadalupe, do you have anything else to add today? Any last sentiments for our listeners? Um, just always be open-minded. Make sure that you um, educate yourself. Just always be open to learning new things and listening to people that are different from you. And other than that, I want to say thank you for inviting me to to have this conversation with you. I appreciate the effort that you're putting into having uh, more diverse voices heard and also just bringing up issues that need to be talked about more. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, Thanks again for listening all. We will see you again soon. Today on this episode, we talked about cultural appropriation versus appreciation, spooky season edition. I'm your host, as always, Mia Sikma, and this is Diverse Voices. Diverse Voices.